0: John Clayton.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios.
0: Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere. On the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Oh,
1: and it's good to be back here on this Monday after a kind of quiet a crazy uh, bye week a week and a, a couple of games really there was a lot of blowouts yesterday not a lot of great football but there were some really interesting games to get into and of course you see things went really well for the seattle seahawks well in the sense that uh hey the green bay packers lose and lose big to tampa bay that uh you know that's that was important then you've got the uh, ability right now for the uh you know, they the, the have the number one seed and be able to hold on to that, and it certainly helped that San Francisco beat the Los Angeles Rams last night, blowing them away, and kind of making you wonder what, who is, where are, what are the Rams? Because you know they gave up all those points, and then the Rams are four and zero against the bad NFC East, which by the way is two fourteen and one in non division games, two fourteen and one envision that. And of course, now what you're looking at is that uh, you know they got the month coming up here where it's going to be so important. But let's get into the five biggest stories of the day.
2: Number one, we always have a pretty big sense of urgency, but I think when you get embarrassed like we did last week, um, you know it's I and mean, when you get embarrassed like that, you can find out a lot about your team. And you know we came in Monday and it was a hard day, but uh, usually when stuff like that happens, you you know guys either give in and because um, it gets too hard and um, they try to hide and point fingers a little bit and just go through the motions or guys try to step it up and get better and um, I was very impressed with the character of our team and just some of the just how the players carried themselves and the way they came out to practice on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and um, really the way they responded to all of us getting embarrassed.
1: Yeah and of course Cal Shanahan doing a good job of getting the eight-point victory 24-16 on Sunday night football so now the Seahawks hold a one and a half game lead over the Rams and then when you look at it the schedule really becomes very favorable for Seattle down the stretch. Now, again, this next month is going to be very defining because, you know, they've got three division games and a trip to Buffalo, and you figure that they probably aren't going to win all four games there. But uh, when you look at the closing schedule, I mean, Seattle, very favorable in the sense that, uh, you know, they only have one non-division game against a uh, winning team, and that'd be the Buffalo Bills. And then you look at the fact that uh, you know San Francisco at 635 has the toughest closing schedule in the league. The Rams are fourth at 600 for the combined teams that they have to play. And Arizona is their ninth at a 566 pace. Where you look at Seattle, they have one of the seven easiest schedules at 437. So a chance to make up ground. But, of course, the key is to not fall into any kind of uh, thinking that it's like, okay, we're better than everybody else. they got to work hard. They still have to do a lot to fix up the defense. But, at least the 49ers did get the victory, and so a game-and-a-half lead over the Rams. Jimmy Garoppolo playing the entire game looked good. He went 22 for 33, 268 yards and three touchdowns. George Kittle had his seven catches, 109 yards and one touchdown. And so now I'm not surprised that they bounce back because even though they have all these injuries and they got three more players hurt on Sunday, they're able to go ahead and uh, you know outplay the Rams and kind of make you wonder, How good are the Rams? I mean, the Rams, say what you want. They made a great comeback and almost won the game in Buffalo, but they had to come back uh, from a 28-3 deficit and be able to do that. That's the thing that you wonder. They gave up 23 points, and then they gave up the 24 points to uh, the uh, 49ers. You know, good running for the 49ers. They got the usual 30 carries. That's kind of the mark that Kyle Shanahan wants to have. Also, a lot of jet sweeps and things like that with uh, debo samuel who's really good at that and so they did bounce back in the rams right now trying to figure out okay what do they have to do to do well in this division but nevertheless we'll find out as this week couple weeks goes on the next month we'll talk to joe fan of nbc sports northwest at 11 o'clock to talk about the nfc west and where it stands
0: number two and now it's up to austin riley to keep this game going
2: the 23-year-old to pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. That's out to center. This is going to do it. Bellinger waving his arms under it. He's got it.
0: And the Los Angeles Dodgers are headed to the World Series. They win game 7-4-3 to three on the late homer by Cody Bellinger.
2: The Dodgers are National League champs.
1: Well, great one for the Dodgers as they came back at the key time and was able to win three games in the final after being down three to one, and so it goes seven and. uh they were, that's the full seventh game, and it's only the third time in Major League uh, history that both championship games went seven games. So it's going to be the Tampa Bay Rays going against the Los Angeles Dodgers, but uh, the Dodgers overcame a two-run deficit to win 4-3 to three and get that advancement uh, to the World Series for the third time in the last four seasons. Cody Bellinger hit a home run, and then he hurts his shoulder celebrating. That's a little crazy because he's had this shoulder problem for some period of time. And in the meantime, on Saturday night, Tampa Bay was able to avoid a history collapse they were able to win game seven against the astros because where the historic collapse would have been would have been you know after getting off to a three and oh start and losing three games to the astros you know they were able to get to the seventh game and get that victory so the 2020 world series is going to feature two teams with the best records this season so i guess that's kind of fitting game one is going to start tuesday night it's going to be in arlington texas so we've got the baseball now at the world
2: series level Number three. I felt like we needed a little bit of a wake-up call at some point this season uh, because things have been so good. And there's been so much talk maybe outside the building about the ease which with, with which we're, you know, moving the ball on offense and scoring. You know, I think we need a kind of a kick in the a**, a little bit as, as a little bit of a wake-up to, uh, you know, stop feeling ourselves so much and get back to the things that got us this position.
1: So that's, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about the absolute beatdown that the uh, Packers had against the Tampa Bay ba- Uh, Buccaneers 38 to 10, and this is after jumping off to a 10 point lead. And here's Bucks coming back and getting you know 38 unanswered points. Aaron Rodgers, who did not throw a touch an interception in the first uh, part of the season, now comes back and has two in the game, and he completed only 45 percent of his passes. And so all of a sudden now you're starting to look at a Tampa Bay team that now starting to look like the most complete in the NFC because they've got the defense. You know they've now when they blitz, I think they've now forced six interceptions. You know, they got 15 sacks on blitzes. You know, they're really doing some good things. And, of course, they really got after Aaron Rodgers. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, ended up getting hurt. We don't know how bad that's going to be. I have to kind of follow that so now in the next things get a little easier as they probably naturally should because the packers have had the benefits of some of the easy scheduling you know they have games against houston minnesota and 49ers and for the seahawks that fact that the packers lost was huge because if that was going to be the case then you're looking at a team that the green bay packers would have end up being what uh, an eight and oh which is a pretty amazing when you think about it, because they did have the bye week, and so now at the best they're going to be seven and one. But you figure they're going to win those games. In the meantime, Tampa Bay is going to face the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's going to be on Sunday night.
0: Number four. Well, me personally, I try to do my best just to, you know, to stay within myself. It's just another game against another opponent, and the, I think the more level-headed and um, you know calm, cool, and collected you can be. In terms of preparing for these games, the better off you, you can do. Uh, we haven't played on a Monday night football game in quite some time, and there's a lot of guys, like you said, haven't haven't been on on that stage. Um, so it's a great opportunity to make yourself a household name, and you know to be able to go out there and showcase what theirs and the Cardinals are all about for a national stage. But uh, you have to put that aside and just you know play each play as it comes, and make sure you're just focused on doing your assignment to the best of your ability.
1: Well, all eyes for the Seahawks is going to be on this Arizona-Dallas game. Even though at two o'clock, there's going to be a really good game between the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. But Arizona going against Dallas, a Dallas team that doesn't have Dak Prescott, doesn't have their two tackles, has all kind of injury concerns. But in the end, the uh, Andy Dalton might be able to be good enough to go, and we'll see how good the Cardinals are. You know, the Cowboys right now at two and three. The uh, Arizona uh, Cowboys at two and three. Arizona is at three and two. I expect that Andy Dalton will be able to do some things to be able to go and do it. But, again, what you're looking at, and all projections basically say win or lose in this game for the Cowboys. They're probably going to win the division with six wins a 6-10 team winning the division. And that's going to be an embarrassment. And we'll see how if it continues, because when you're looking at it, the uh, NFC East is now 0-7 against the NFC West. Is that going to be 8-0? We'll find out. And again, that's going to go at five fifteen, And then, of course, at 2 o'clock on the NFL Network and Fox, uh, you're going to be able to see the Chiefs and the Bills play. Uh, see where that can go because you know the Chiefs are angry that they lost last week to the Raiders and the Bills of course angrily that they lost to Tennessee and so we'll see how that one goes but that's going to be a two pretty good games and again a good test to see Arizona who now has to come off a short week and play the Seahawks on Sunday in Arizona.
0: Number five.
2: As Tua Tungabailoa trots on the field for the first time. There's hardly anyone in this building, but it's still loud. Even Fitz is leading
1: that ovation. And because of the 24 nothing blowout out of a horrible New York Jet team, a team that you know is one of the worst. What is it? They they, they now are uh, having average loss of 18.3 points, which of course is going to be an NFL record and they're now 0-6. But Tua was able to get into the game because it was such a blowout, and he completed both of his passes for nine yards, two little short passes, and so that all of a sudden a Dolphin team is up to a 3-3 and record uh, thanks to last week's win over San Francisco, and then any team playing the Jet gets the benefit of that, and the Seahawks will get that advantage coming up you know, later in the season. And so now New York is the uh, last remaining winless team in the league at 0-6, and there's about, what, eight teams right now with one loss or less. I mean, the haves are really going to help the have. The have-nots are going to help the haves. And there's no doubt that, uh, you know, you can look at Miami as maybe being a little bit of a have Not, But they're getting the benefit of the have-nots. And so their record is 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Tua, you know, everything we've heard and after, you know, following the fact that they did play the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago, it's probably going to be November or so before uh, he's going to get out there and start. You know, I don't think they want to rush him. I think that uh, they want to see how where they can go and now at three and three they're starting to think okay can all of a sudden they get a, a last wild card spot maybe maybe not we'll see but Tua did come in get all the applause and even Fitz, how about Fitzpatrick coming out and kind of leading on the cheers for him kind of interesting to see that quarterback you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, really, really good guy. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we're going to go under further review and talk about who's the best team after six weeks of the season. That's coming up next. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Under further review with John Clayton. We'll review the play.
1: Well, of course, uh, yesterday was pretty important for the Seahawks in the standpoint point that uh, they were able to see the Green Bay Packers some were arguing were right now the top seed in uh, football or at least the top seed in the NFC. Well, that didn't happen. They lose by 28 points and now all of a sudden, Tampa Bay starts to move up the charts and could be at least challenging. But remember, they've had a couple of losses and so uh, Seattle sitting there undefeated right now and you start to wonder, just where does Tennessee go in there? Are they now all of a sudden becoming one of the best teams in football? They're certainly 5-0 and and it surprised everybody and has Ryan Tannehill playing at an MVP level also having you know Derrick Henry just absolutely destroying people with back-to-back 200-yard games a 94-yard touchdown run and so after 6 weeks of the season who is which team is the best in football Brock Huard was on with Danny and Gallant to give an answer.
2: Who's the best team in the NFL through nearly six weeks? We got a chance to sit back and to, and to watch. You got a chance to sit back and watch, and also the Grim Reaper a streak for now. It seems like it has yes. not continued.
3: Yeah, it's going to be safe, going to be safe. Um... It's hard for me to look past the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they'll play Tennessee this weekend, right? There's only three undefeated left. So I'm going to say best has to be undefeated. I think that matters to me. You're unblemished. And, you know, fortunately, the NFL is is not college football where it's perception and rankings and polls still decided. And committees still decide who the best is. We'll, we'll get to that point as the season goes on. But if we sit here today with a snapshot through six weeks or so, yeah, I'm going to say that the Pittsburgh Steelers to me look like the most complete team. They can rush the passer incredibly effective. Their secondary is ball hawking. Uh, they, they play to the strengths of their team. Big Ben uh, while not what he was 10 years ago is still a more than capable game manager plus lots of speed on the outside of running game and O-line. I think they're the most complete team in the league and, and they'll get to face off against a, a Tennessee crew and the Seahawks will have one of their better tests of the entire season this weekend. So we'll We'll learn an awful lot coming out of this this upcoming weekend, but as we sit here on this Monday, I'd have to give uh, and, uh, give my nod to the most complete team being in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, I still think you go with Seattle, and I don't know if you heard the broadcast yesterday, but Troy Aikman <clears throat> made a really good point, particularly in this very strange year. And what the point was is that, uh, you know, the way that you look at teams in this year, because again, you realize defenses are challenged in the biggest stat year that we've ever seen, the highest scoring year is that, and highest yardage year is that, uh, you know, at this stage, it's, it's hard to imagine that you worry too much about the uh, yards allowed because as long as you can make the stops and make the key stops because you look at Tennessee you know Tennessee's you know, as good as they are on defense they have Jadeveon Clowney and you know for pressures he's you know among the he's in the top ten this year so he's kind of like he was last year in Seattle you know he's done some good things but they've given up a lot of points you know <clears throat> almost lost the game to Houston they had to go 42-36 in overtime to beat a one-win Houston team, a team that didn't have anything on defense. But I think that this is just an unusual year. But when you're talking about, you know, you're looking at the stats, I mean, Brock Hewitt does raise a good point in the standpoint that uh, Pittsburgh... And, again, I, I weigh things down in the AFC because I think the AFC is so much easier right now than the uh, than the NFC because the NFC still has more quarterbacks, more veteran quarterbacks, and all that stuff. And so you're going to be tending to get more teams. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh does have a top-five defense. They do have Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they have somebody that's coming on uh, very much like uh, DK Metcalf did last year in Chase Claypool at wide receiver who's, what does he have, like six touchdowns, five touchdowns? Uh, catching and one rushing in the uh, you know in the last two games I mean he has been fantastic they got a good enough running game and they just absolutely blew out the Cleveland Browns wasn't even a thought it was just a blowout and just beat up on Baker Mayfield I mean the other team that you bring to mind and of course Brock raises the point you have to be you know winless right now to be in this consideration you know because you know Kansas City's lost one game Tampa Bay is a very complete team too because their defense has been stifling and the blitzes and everything that they can do and you know probably getting a chance that Todd Bowles their defensive coordinator now is going to be raising up very quickly in the head coaching uh, category to get his second chance after you know losing his job with the New York Jets but I like uh, you know what they're doing and of course you have Tom Brady still kind of Getting accustomed but it's amazing Curtis when you watch what it was interesting watching uh, Tom Brady yesterday how many times in the first half was he yelling at his offensive players you know yelling at a wide receiver for cutting a route short or coming over and questioning one of the guys as far as blocking and all that there was a whole bunch of that yesterday until they started to make that blowout
2: yeah and I think the message got through to his yep. guys because they were able to come back uh, and just absolutely dominate after that first quarter uh, they or it was just game over by the middle part of the third quarter when it looked like for so long that Tampa Bay wasn't going to be able to get anything going on offense. That pick six really sparked them, uh, giving them, you know, uh, or trimming their deficit to ten to seven and then from there it was it was over. It was Tampa Bay all day, every day. John, you hear Brock say that he thinks Pittsburgh is the best team in the NFL through six weeks, which is all fine and dandy and, and from a Seahawks perspective let Pittsburgh be the best team in the NFL. You don't have to face the Steelers in any scenario until the Super Bowl at the very earliest, if that were to happen. If Pittsburgh were to go and win the AFC, if Seattle were to go and win the NFC, that's that's fine and dandy. But in the NFC right now, John, it looks like it's sort of a three-team race, at least at the very top. You've got Green Bay and Tampa Bay, who yesterday, we all know the the outcome of that one. Seattle is there at the number 1 seed currently. When you look at those three teams—Seattle, Green Bay, Tampa Bay—which one of those do you think, or, or do you have the most confidence in, come a, a win or go home scenario? Uh,
1: I think you go with Seattle right now because uh, you know it's it's one where it's Russell Wilson, and again, we'll see if the defensive numbers are going to be sustainable. But then you look at it; it's like, okay, I mean, this is a year aberration. I know the the last time. Uh, I know Bob Condota put this out today, you know, researching. It's like, okay, the worst statistical year, of, you know, a team that had over 400 yards allowed was the New Orleans Saints. And that team went seven and nine. But this year is so different because, again, the quarterbacks have such a, a big advantage. In fact, I was going through some of the stats uh, yesterday. So I have to go through a couple of the games. But it's like there was it was like the fewest number of holding penalties even this year, which, of course, is, you know, so much less holding penalties than we've ever seen uh, and that allows more scoring and more no no drive breakers like that uh, that end up causing the problems for the quarterback. And so the quarterback has an open end. If you're on a road, you can score more points because, again, you don't have any crowd noise that you worry about. You don't worry about the false starts. As long as you can you know just keep moving the ball, you can win. But overall, I, I look at it and say, okay, fine. This is one that's all set for the offense, and I still look at this team. And you, know, you have to figure somehow, some way, this is going to get better better uh on the way it's going so hey stay tuned
2: yeah definitely stay tuned and i, and I think this week we're going to see a, a much i think the, the seahawks are going to have a better defensive effort especially if jamal adams is able to go we know Snacks harrison is likely to play arizona they do have a high powered offense john but i i think with the playmakers that seattle would be adding to their defense right now they were in a bend but don't break scenario, but I I think they f- get fortified in, in a big way with just those two pieces in, in Adams and Harrison uh, coming into to Seattle's defense. I don't think it's going to be night and day difference. I don't think they're going to shut out the Cardinals by any stretch of the imagination. They're not going to limit Kyler Murray to only a hundred all purpose yards or anything like that. But uh, to expect them to continue to to win and, and allow you know thirty plus points a game, that's going to be tough. I think Seattle could. Uh, see an improvement, at least on the scoreboard, defensively against the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So uh, that could be good. And it's going to be interesting. You bring up Pittsburgh as Brock Hewitt did. What's going to be interesting, they lose a really good linebacker in Devin Bush who blew out his ACL. And so he's done for the year. David DeCastro's has not been able to play much this year at guard. And he's one of the best guards in the league. So we'll see how injuries do affect them. You saw injuries did affect the Seahawks, but at least most of those guys are all coming back. And of course we'll be hopefully back uh, for the bye after the bye week and out there for week seven coming up. So, hey, tell your smart speaker to play 710 ESPN Seattle. Remember, you can always listen to 710 on your smart speaker or app. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Solomon Wilcox from Pro Football Focus, also the former Bengal, and of course, a guy right now is also on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Solomon Wilcox, next is the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: And joining us is Solomon Wilcox, of course, who's all over the place. I mean, he's working for Pro Football Focus, for Sirius XM NFL Radio, and all the different platforms that he has. And Solomon, I'm going to go to one point that I was just working on today, is that would you agree that this league, more than any you can remember, is becoming a league of have and have-nots?
0: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and, I mean, just look at the Patriots. One minute you have Tom Brady, next minute you don't. Now, for the first time in 18 years, after five games, they're below 500. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it can happen quickly now. You, you lose um, one or two key players. Foundational players, and, and you end up on that uh, list
1: of have nots. Yes, yeah, I'm not uh, the have nots. I think right now are are so bad. I was looking at, and I was excluding uh, the two teams that are two and three. I'm, I'm excluding Dallas, which is really a have not, but they get to play all the have nots in the NFC East. And then, uh, uh, but if you take the 12 worst teams, would you believe that their records are a combined 13, 30, 54, and two? 13 54 and two, and Denver became only the fourth team this year in that group of 12 teams to beat a team like New England or a winning team.
0: Yeah, right. It's like it was a shocker yesterday to see them come away with that win. Yeah, you don't though it don't normally turn out that way. (laughs) That's that's for sure. And you can almost you know pick who those teams are. I think people have gone gravitated toward hey, get the quarterback, get the quarterback. It's not like you draft a guy and it automatically happens, right? Yeah. It's not it doesn't work that way and I think the Jets have proven and now they're going to do it again, they're trying to get, you know, Trevor Lawrence and and what happens is you end up destining that player, that truly good player to be stuck and marooned on this island or desert of a team. And if if not planted in the right garden, man, that that quarterback it'll wither on the vine, right? It's like Mm -hmm. good fruit that will that will go wasted, that that will wither. And so, I think you got to be careful. Just telling these teams, just go get the quarterback, go get the quarterback when they have a bad culture, (laughs) when they have bad players around that quarterback. uh, I think we found that it, it, it it takes more than that.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, then they get into the cycle where all you do is that uh, you fire the coach, you fire the GM, you go through different systems, and all of a sudden, you've got now, you look up in your five, six years, and you haven't been to the playoffs, and have no hopes of getting to the playoffs.
0: I I think that makes it worse. In fact, I call it destabilizing organizations. In fact, what happens typically, uh, you take the Patriots, for instance, if you ask yourself, are the Patriots were they great for 20 years because they were just the Patriots or was it also a combination of the fact that when the other teams within their division, whether you're Miami, um, or whether you're Buffalo uh, or whether you're the Jets, you couldn't beat them. Was it because they were so much better than you or is it was because you kept firing the general manager and the coach to where you never could get good enough? You just kept, um, sort of destabilizing the team, changing defense, changing coordinators, go from a 4-3 to a 3-4, all those changes, and new GMs just keep bringing in new systems, new coaches, and none of it is like planting a tree, right? If, it, if it's not there long enough to gather roots or to grow roots, how stable is it going to be? And so you find teams like the Patriots or other teams in other divisions, they just keep winning because – Yeah, they're good, but the other three teams within the division have now become destabilizing, unhealthy, dysfunctional organizations, and they can never catch up because they just keep hiring and firing, hiring and firing, and sort of trying to transplant or replant or regrow other resources that just not going to grow in that. Dysfunctional environment.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. I think when you watch the way this year is coming about, you know the have and have not theory is now going to play into the playoff seedings and all that. Like for example, the NFC West plays the two worst uh, divisions in football. NFC East and the NFC and the AFC East. And what I think, what is it, two uh, two fourteen and one right now is the records in the non division games of NFC East teams, and you got <clears throat> bad team with the jets and certainly, you know, there's all these other issues that aren't that good. And so now you look at it and you go, Whoa, what's how it's happening here. And like, so a Seattle team is going to probably end up getting two extra wins or five and oh, in non-division games. They have five more games, which other than Buffalo, they should be able in the non-division games to win. And all of a sudden now you're looking at, if you do well in your division, you're 12, 13 wins.
0: I mean, take a look at the 49ers uh, up until yesterday, right? They're only two wins. We're against those kind of teams that you're talking about, you know, yeah. the, the Jets and, and the Giants, you know. And, oh, so, yeah, I mean, and listen, I think you got to, you know, the, to their credit, the 49ers didn't get to pick those opponents. They were predetermined. The 49ers are a team that at one point was had lost 10 starters, right, to mm-hmm. injury. I mean, they were out there playing without and starters, and they weren't whining like some of these teams that had COVID cases saying, well, why do we have to play? We don't have all of our guys. You know, Kyle Shanahan just showed up and played anyway. So, uh, listen, some of these things are outside of the team's control, but, yet it's still a factor, particularly, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, you, know, you and I, we worked at ESPN for years. I just watched this morning. They put up the graphic where if the playoffs were to end today, and they forgot to factor in it's gonna be three wild card teams. It was oh, they, nice. So they had six play, they had six playoff teams from the AFC and the NFC and forgot oh, we're gonna have seven. And they probably couldn't bring themselves to do it based on what the records would look like, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That would so, help. You. So so that, so yeah, it's gonna be a new reality for many of us, J C.
1: Yeah, it really is, and so because uh, this is such a different season, injuries obviously at the highest level. I've been charting those, and there, there's been over like there's about a, averaging over a hundred missed starts a week, and that was like compared to last year. I you know going into like, this past week, it was 26% over uh, missed starts compared to a year ago in through uh, week five, and you can see the impact. I mean, teams like Philadelphia, the Chargers, uh, the Forty ers Dallas, just devastated.
0: Oh, yeah. Injuries. I I thought the 49ers, I didn't know how they were going to make it. But, you know, yesterday they came out, got Jimmy G to play at a marginal level and you're like, okay, there's hope again, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some other teams like Dallas. They're not going to over. I mean, Tyron Smith, you know, Dak Prescott, they're not going to overcome. What we're looking at, I mean, you know, now they're in that division, right? They may get to the playoffs, but how far are they going to go? Even if they get there, uh, some of these injuries—if you're the Chargers, let's face it—you're you, not going to overcome no. some of these these losses. It just doesn't happen. We—they still play the games because they have to, and they're going to give it the old try. I get it, but no way they're going to be the same teams. Um, you and I both know that there's. We you know we want parity. We don't even have parity on the roster. I mean, once one guy leaves, another guy like that is not walking through the door. It's just not happening.
1: No, not at all. What? Uh, how do you explain yesterday's Tampa Bay game against Green Bay?
0: Uh, because listen, um, defensively, and I had said this, and according to our PFF database, we had showed over the second half of the of last season the what, top five, maybe the third best defense in the league was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers it was the 49ers and Patriots by far throughout the season. But in the second half of the season, the final eight games since Todd Bowles and they had cut Vernon Hargraves and elevated Carlton Davis up to be in their number one shutdown corner. Uh, remember the front seven had always played great throughout the season but that secondary, really the young secondary members like Jamal Dean and and Carlton Davis and that group, they really kicked it into overdrive in the second half of the year. And by the end of the season, they were we thought they were the third best defense. It felt like this year they could be the best defense in the NFL. And so when Tom Brady chose them, I wasn't surprised. If he's smart and I know he is, he knew that it was more than just about playing with. Tom Moore and Bruce Arians' offense with the best wide receivers, he knew that it was a complete team, not just a good offense that couldn't go anywhere because of uh, Jameis Winston's turnovers. That that team was a juggernaut. And so yesterday you saw the defense show up um, after um, Green Bay went up 10 nothing. It was a
2: huge
0: avalanche. I mean, I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers didn't know what hit him, J.C. It was The pick six. He came back and threw another interception. Um, Mike Evans returned it down to the three-yard line. Ronald Jones runs it in. They scored 21 points, did the Bucs, in a matter of eight minutes. And Green Bay had an interception on one possession, another interception, then the third. It was a punt. 38 unanswered points for the Buccaneers in no time flat. So that this that's what kind of team I saw building. It's just a matter of, Can they get rid of the penalties? Can they stop shooting themselves in the foot? Can they be a cohesive group, which is hard to do with no real offseason and no preseason games? But yesterday with no no penalties, zero penalties for the first time since 1976, you saw a complete performance by a Buccaneers team that if they just put it all together, they could be as good as any team in the league.
1: What is what do you what at pro football focus? What things are said right now about the Seahawks, with obviously Russell Wilson having an MVP year, but a defense that is historically bad numbers.
0: Scary, right? And and yeah, you just to me you wonder if it's sustainable. In fact, I I don't think it is. I mean, I listen. I think Russell Wilson is going to be our league MVP, especially when you consider the game that Aaron Rodgers had yesterday. I mean, I, I think Aaron. Aaron completed only 45% of his passes. He almost had two back-to-back pick-sixes, right? I, Russell Wilson doesn't have a game that poorly. He, I think he is the best quarterback in our league. I think he's the most consistent quarterback in our league. I think he's the most thorough quarterback. And he's what Aaron Rodgers was when Aaron was really at the top of his game. And for us not to acknowledge that, our database supports it. Um, and I think you can watch it visually. If this guy has the ball with any time left on the clock, one last possession, he's a quarterback I want on the field. He's going to win. He's going to beat you. But can he carry a defense that can't pressure the opposing quarterback because they've yet to find edge rushers? Does, can he, um, can he carry a team that at the end of the day, it's secondary still leaking oil in a way that it surprises me since bringing over Jamal Adams. Because I thought they, I think the secondary will get better, um, because I believe in in, in the uh, players that they brought over um, in terms of their secondary and what they already have. Just a matter of can they generate a pass rush for the secondary to get better. And so, I, I'm not too sure that's sustainable because most teams that are trying to win championships that are that we see as being they they they're good at in the passing game in terms of putting points on the board but they're also good in the coverage unit and keeping points off the board. And right now, Seattle struggles on the other side of the equation.
1: Solomon Wilcox, it's always great to talk to you. Hope everything's going well. And, of course, uh, it is a very interesting season.
0: Oh, JC, always great to be on with you. And, yeah, it is an interesting season. Look, um, I also say that COVID-19 is going to play a role in this. That's what makes this a unique year. Show me the team that's more disciplined off the field and away from the building that cares about the, the game and cares about each other uh, more than they care about their own individual moment or their own individual um, party or opportunity to celebrate. That's the team that's going to remain the healthiest and that's the team that's probably going to win us a championship.
1: Sullivan, thank you so much. And we'll talk soon.
0: JCA, always great to be on with you. You take care and have a great day.
1: Hey, be sure to check out the professor's notes at 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go behind the lines, check out what's going on in the National Football League. John Clayton shows 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app.
1: Well, I tell you what, can the things get any worse for the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, they tried to come back and almost uh, challenge the Ravens, but they end up falling short. So they're 1-4-1. and one. They have virtually nothing left on offense because of injuries. And now we find out today Zach Ertz is going to be out three to four weeks. They're going to lose. Miles Sanders their starting running back. And so here they are with pretty much, what, four starters down on the offensive line. You know, they didn't have Alshon Jeffrey. They didn't have Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Jackson, then, um, you know, they end up, uh, you know, getting more injuries. Uh, they remember a couple of weeks ago, Dallas Goddard, their other starting tight end, he's on injured reserve. I mean, I don't, I mean, we, we watched the 49ers go through this. And of course the Eagles went out and beat the 49ers. But I mean, this, the, the beat down on this season with injuries is just absolutely incredible. Again, I know I totaled it up after week five, that there's 26% more missed starts than there were in, uh, 2019 and is seemingly getting worse you know we also had injuries that are key as far as around the league you know we got taylor Lewan, the left tackle of the tennessee titans he gets a torn acl so his season is done you know devin bush of the pittsburgh Steelers, a really good young linebacker he ends up getting a torn acl so his season is done and as we sit here today we're going to hear more and more about injuries and curtis rogers that's not good
2: no, it's definitely not good, especially with so many uh, Pro Bowl-level talents, in Taylor LeJuan's case, all Pro-level talents, uh, getting injured this season, John, and I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that there wasn't a, a huge ramp-up period heading into this season. There was no OTAs, there were no mini camps, it was just training camp. Uh, so guys were kind of left to their own devices in order to get in shape, and or as as we saw in 2010 a lot of leg injuries this year same thing john uh you know heck i think what the jags are on their fifth kicker already this season through week 6 uh, i mean there's just so many crazy crazy scenarios like that across the league where teams are just cycling through players because of injuries because of ineffectiveness uh, and, you know, here we are heading into week seven, and it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. No, it really doesn't.
1: But, again, it's like uh, you, know, and you can see each week that, uh, you know, I sit here and uh, watch the games and see. I have a, a long list, and I don't know. i I got to look at the list right now. But I'm I'm looking at injuries, and there was at least, oh, I'd say 50, 55 injuries. You know, some of them just come out of the game. <clears throat> but ones that could be, you know, very damaging, and we already mentioned the two. And then – uh you can see that there's going to be others that are going to creep in there, but I like, you know, Philly has just lost everything on offense, everything. And they're showing it. And, you know, you've got sacks and turnovers that go with Carson Wentz. You know, defensively, they've underachieved. I mean, their linebacking core is a joke. I mean, what they pay their long snapper more than any of their three starting offensive or, or linebackers. The long snapper, you know, Rick Lovato makes more than any of the three starting linebackers. So they haven't invested in that. Uh, I mean, it's incredible.
2: It is. It it definitely is. And uh, Philadelphia right now, I mean, a team that had a lot of hope coming into this season. uh, They have fallen flat on their face. And unbelievably, they are still very much within the thick of it Mm -hmm. in the NFC East because Dallas has done nothing to pull away. And they face the Cardinals tonight, John. Looking at that game between Dallas and Arizona, I, I would expect it to be high scoring, even with Andy Dalton in place. Of Dak Prescott, Dalton probably the most capable backup in the NFL. Uh, how do you see that one playing out? I mean, it's going to be on the turf in yep. in Dallas. Uh, you've got a high powered offense in the Cardinals. Uh, what do you expect from tonight's game?
1: Uh, I expect that uh, you know the one thing now with out, with Chandler Jones out for the season, another injury, is that that's uh, going to be hard for them to generate a pass rush, and so that's going to be the tough part. But then, what the heck are the Cowboys, who can't cover anybody, going to do? With DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to be one of the keys right now because, you know, they they can't stop hardly any wide receiver. And here's Hopkins, you know, now with uh, Michael Thomas being out, the best receiver in football, usually getting, you know, 10, 11 targets. It's like that one's going to be really tough. And so you'd have to think that maybe Arizona has the edge in this one, but, uh, you know, where the Seahawks need some luck in the standpoint that they need, you know, the Cardinals to lose just to drop to three and three.
2: Yeah, the Cardinals' weapons on offense going up against that porous Dallas defense—it's hmm. uh, going to be a rough go of it for Dallas if they're not able to match them score for score. And then also, John, uh, this afternoon on at two o'clock, Fox NFL Network, Kansas City Buffalo—very interesting matchup. Two teams that are well within contention in the AFC. Kansas City, obviously, with Super Bowl uh, dreams again. Buffalo, maybe you know, challenging for that AFC East crown this season. How do you see this one uh, playing out this afternoon?
1: Uh, I I just get the feeling that Kansas City is the better team, and I go with the better team. You got a Buffalo team right now that's reeling a little bit from their loss to Tennessee last week. You know, probably losing something. It looks like uh you know Trent uh, Trent Murphy, the defensive end, is going to be inactive. He's injured. You know, they are getting Ladarius uh, Ladarius White back at the uh, cornerback position, so that'll help. But uh, you'd have to think there's going to be a pretty good game plan that the Chiefs are going to have trying to at least slow down Josh Allen. You know, Allen's been great, except for last week, where they really contained him. And it's like, if it's going to be a shootout between Allen and Mahomes, I think you kind of lean toward Mahomes.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, that, That right arm of his... Uh, the accuracy yeah. that he displays, his decision-making, I would put him ahead of Josh Allen in all of those phases. Uh, Josh Allen, always good for one of those, like, uh, not necessarily Hail Mary throws, mm-hmm. but definitely a throw where it's like, oh, my gosh, what is he doing out there? Uh He's good for one of those game. Pat Mahomes, yeah, you know, he's way more under control than Josh Allen. I give the Chiefs the edge tonight
1: too. Yeah, I do too. But again, it's gonna kind of be good another day where you have two games to watch, and that's all a good thing because we're all looking forward to it. And these are all good games. I mean, again, it's like I know that Dallas has been a big disappointment, but I was going, I was going through this because I was working on you know the haves and the have-nots. And, uh, one of the, one of the things that, uh, I was writing about was that, uh, you know, the Cowboys have been one of the most disappointing teams. Their defense is terrible. They don't have Dak Prescott, but you know, five thirty eight. uh, projects them to be that's of course an analytical site uh, projects them to be six and ten where they'd win the division by a half game over philadelphia with uh you know right now the new york giants going four and twelve and the washington football team you know going uh you know uh five and eleven i mean how bad is that brutal just brutal i mean it's it's amazing to see so uh It's it's one where it's like, got to watch out, because sometimes, uh, you know, you look at it and you say, wow, that's going to be that's going to be fascinating. But uh, in the end, it's like you've got to take the division if you can get it. And I wouldn't be surprised with their closing schedule, which is the easiest in football, 383, that they end up, uh, you know, clinching the division before any of the other teams in the rest of the league.
2: Could very be a could be a very big possibility here with that. Jim. By the
1: way, what what do you think of this stat right now? It's like okay, you look at the twelve worst teams in football. Now I'm putting aside a two and three New England team, a two and three, uh, you know, two, uh, two and three, another team is two and three, and so the twelve worst teams in football. They've got a record of like uh, f- 13 54 and two. And you know, with Denver beating New England yesterday, that's the only one of three times a one of those twelve teams ended up beating a team at five hundred or better. Only
2: three. Jeez. That's uh, that's some pretty craziness going on here. It is,
1: and of course, coming up next we're gonna sort out the Seahawks. Joe Fan of NBC Sports Northwest joins us next. It's the John Clayton show, seven ten, ESPN Seattle.